Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, Chris Katulak, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address those issues between rural and urban America. I have a book that uh, maybe I don't spend enough time reading. It is called the Great Plains Encyclopedia. Actually, I think, Chris, it's called the Encyclopedia of the Great Plains, to be exact. And the section in there that I truly enjoy is that it talks about how every Sunday afternoon, every small town in the Great Plains of America would do what? I would say have fried chicken dinner or go to the races. No, the races would come to them. Every small community would have a community gathering, and then they would have a horse race down Main Street. How are you, Chris? Doing well, Trent. Thank you so much uh, for having me on the show, and it's great to be back on the rural route, as as I'll call it, having done about 10 years of time in Los Angeles or the greater L.A. area, but having been raised in Omaha and just about every day we had a teacher in service day or a holiday or something, I would get Grandpa to take me to the farm, and uh, we'd hoe potatoes or fix fence, or I'd just sit around and watch him work, but somehow I seldom got away of doing any work at all but uh, anyway um and for me to be back here in grand island it's great to be back uh in in central nebraska as well uh i just lap it up and love it chris is the chief executive officer of Foner park my little analogy to horse racing in every community is that there is still one community still has horse races Foner park in grand island you came back to grand island and we'll call it coming back uh August, last fall, sometime last fall. Yep, yep, close. Is uh, July uh, the July of two thousand and eighteen. Oh, and that is, that is after having been here from nineteen eighty six to nineteen ninety five. I was the track announcer at Bonner Park when mm-hmm. I still had a little bit of peach fuzz left, uh, but I was definitely a greenhorn. And that seems like uh, well, it was last millennium. <laughs> it feels like a millennium ago, uh, but. Yes, uh, that was part of the Nebraska circuit that I was on when I was a track announcer. And uh, I'm very familiar with Grand Island in those 10 years. But now I'm back on a full-time basis uh, as uh, in working in management, running running the joint, if you will. And that's ever after having made quite a circuit throughout the nation and stops beyond, you know, across a few oceans as well, working in horse racing. And uh, so certainly I've come full circle. Uh, suddenly you've got me wondering when I grow up, maybe I should be a track announcer. <laughs> the track announcer part was the fun part. The CEO stuff, then maybe <laughs> isn't it all the track up for me. No, you heard me right. I never said anything about being the CEO, the executive director. No, I said the track announcer. I might want to do that. Yeah, you know, there was a time yesterday I was just kind of buzzing through the office, and I thought, okay, this is kind of fun. I, I like this. You know, because there are times where you you just get bogged down in the paperwork or the minutiae or the complaining or the mm-hmm. the codes and ordinances or the bill paying and all that stuff. And it's like, oh, boy. But, um, you know, I have always said or I've said for the last two decades of my more than three decades in horse racing is I really feel that I was I was meant to promote horse racing. It's it's what I do. It's not the only thing I can do, but I. I really feel that that's my place on this earth uh, because there are so many virtues about it, and uh, I'm just tickled to joy, to be, tickled to death, and, and overjoyed to be back 
in that situation with with the, the bumps and bruises that come along the way. No, no question of that. I want to get to the bumps and bruises, but first, what spawned this interest? Was it something that happened when you were at Grandpa's? Oh, good question. Um, yeah, I started to learn horse sense going going to the farm, being with Grandpa, and the farm was on the Platte River just uh, south of Omaha. If you go through Papillion, if you were to take what is 72nd Street and just take it all the way to the Platte River, you'd kind of run over the Hahn Farm, H-A-H-N, which means hen in German. Um, anyway, spent a lot of time there as a kid, gained appreciation for that. But I grew up in Omaha just a few blocks from the old Exarbon racetrack at 63rd and Shirley between Pacific and Center Street. And as a kid, and I'm getting goosebumps just telling you this right now, but as a kid, about every 25 minutes, we'd be outside playing or working as it was as a kid, raking leaves, painting a house or whatever. And we'd hear this roar start to build up and come to a crescendo up over the trees. Now, Exarbon was about seven or eight blocks from our house and maybe about 10 blocks. Anyway, we'd hear this roar and come up last for maybe 10, 12 seconds, and then it just sort of die down. But that would happen routinely throughout the, the summertime days. And we always knew there was something going on there, but the parents never, you know, they weren't into horse racing. But I wiggled my way in once and uh, just got hooked with, with all that horse racing has to offer. And for me, it was, it was never about the gambling part of it. Um, I did get, get you know, interested in the gambling and learn how to do it, but that was not the hook for me. I just loved the whole action the whole culture of horse racing and it's not for everybody but uh, for those that do get 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 it into their system it's hard to get it out and and they get it they understand uh the 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 thrill of horse racing unfortunately and it makes me sad when i drive down that street in omaha today the the kids think that exarban is a, a shopping area Oh, yeah, yeah. And they don't and, understand the history and what, what the vibrance that that had to bring to that part of Omaha at that point, probably the entire city of Omaha at that time. Massive, massive for the city and for the state. You know, all exorbitant is now is this sort of lingering thought and of of what it once was. And they associate it with horse racing or they associate it with the family shows or the rodeo. And present day, of course, it's it's the livestock shows, the shows mm-hmm. for the kids, which is which is so crucial. That's the that's the foothold that they have, and and we must maintain that and do all we can to to preserve that because it is such a philanthropic foundation. But oh my goodness, the 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 racing facility was was one thing, and then the shows that they would have, uh, Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. and you know the the big events that they would have if you were an Exarban member. And it really was the hub of entertainment in Omaha and in the central United States. And it's not there anymore. Uh, it is what you say. is a, it, It's really a vibrant little um, place of commerce. And, and I'm proud of that. Pardon me. <clears throat> I'm proud of that because I love Omaha. But it is a shame of what it once was and what it probably could have maintained. Trent, I'll mm-hmm. get, I don't want to go too far down the politics route because that was back when i was in my 20s and early 30s and really didn't have so much of a handle on it but there there were some city leaders and city elders and city movers and shakers that wanted something else other than the racetrack there and they ultimately got it and it's now a a beautiful campus that's part of the university of nebraska um, apartments businesses shops restaurants and a great gathering place but it was a it was quite a gathering place before when it was that a uh, wonderful little sanctuary called Exarban Horse Racing. So 
I was at the old facilities a couple of times. It was in the latter years after it had not been maintained properly. But I, I wish now, knowing what I know 30 years later, that I would have been a part of a solution. And that came to me, actually, Chris, because I got a phone call one day. I remember specifically where I was driving a guy who I'd never met before in my life, Seth Dalton, who's now a dear friend of mine from California. He called me and he said, Trent, I work for the Cow Palace just south of San Francisco, and I want to put the cow back into the Cow Palace, and I'm told you're the guy that can help me. And so, long story short, the Cow Palace would have the same aura, would have the same history and heritage in San Francisco that Exarbon did in Omaha. And so I went out there, and Seth and I worked on rejuvenating that thing and, and bringing it back. And the politics and something like that just gets so ugly in every state. It's unbelievable that people want to just move beyond what made, really it was one of the legs that made every one of those communities. Yep, there's no question about that. And it's called progress. We don't have the big locomotive iron horse uh, steam engines rolling down the track either, do we? Right. You know, there's there's some progress that can that can take, take us to a place we want to get and then other progress that doesn't. And I don't want to stand in the way of progress, but uh, I'm a pretty romantic and nostalgia guy. And But I, I think there's more than romance and nostalgia to keep an old place around that's been there for a while. It, it can still, you know, churn churn and make butter and and do its job if it was allowed to it i just think there was there were some there were agendas there and they were met and look it unfortunately so much of what wags the tail that wags the dog in horse racing now is is other forms of gaming which i know we'll get into in this conversation mm-hmm. and we should but when the ad- adjacent states to nebraska uh, south dakota iowa minnesota Uh, Indiana, now they're not adjacent, but they're close enough, Uh, Oklahoma, Colorado, when all of the surrounding states, I'll say that, have alternative forms of gaming, and they put that gaming revenue into horse racing, and Nebraska is left with nothing. We're we're on vapors right now as far as our horse racing industry goes. Well, then, of course, it's going to dry up, and that's that's what has happened to Mm -hmm. Nebraska racing, shamefully. And I have to step in and say we're going to go to race two of four today when we get back with more Roll Rock. Chris Tulak, my guest, after this. Take this moment to remind you that certified Piedmontese is a real profit opportunity for you as a cattleman. Yes, I said you can make a profit in the cow-calf sector. Look to Lone Creek Cattle Company. Get a, Be a part of the system to supply certified Piedmontese. It's all about the tenderness aspect. Marlon Will has details. Contact him today. LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Lewis alongside Chief Executive Officer of Fauna Park in Grand Island, Nebraska, Chris Katulak. And uh, so if you spent 10 years in L.A., you were in the racing business in L.A., right? Oh, yes. At least 10 years. It was probably closer to 15 or 20, all told. So all of my uh, uh, bucket list things that I've always talked about wanting to do, like track announcer, but I really wanted <laughs> to be this this California mule racing tycoon ah bishop bishop california right yeah well bishop has mule days but yeah bert johnson a dear friend of mine from oh gosh sure you know bert well 
I'll just wiggle this in here. Um, I was part of Ranchero's Vistadores for nearly 10 years. Oh, and absolutely. you may or may have <laughs> yeah, the yeah. clandestine Ranchero's Vistadores. Yeah. And uh, he was, yes, there was a, a race named after him, the Burt Johnson. I think it was a walking mule race. I think that was that was the race they named that, after that him. That was, but, but Burt had mules that raced in the California mule racing circuit, and I had a couple that were too fast for me to ride. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of which I've got a crook, crooked finger and a ten thousand dollar surgery. Uh, but I thought somebody, some jockey, needs to be riding this thing in the California circuit. I think I'd win some money. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, it is quite a spectacle, and I wouldn't say I, I love to look at it. Uh, watching mules race is is really something. I mean, those big old lopiers, they look like giant Easter bunnies running down the racetrack, but. <laughs> Uh, and it and they used to race them at Los Alamitos in yes. in uh, Greater you know, Orange County, and I I called some mule races, but um, or worked on some races where we were covering mule races. Uh, Taz and Black Ruby, that was like uh, Ollie and Frazier, the rivalry that they had. Believe mm-hmm. it or not, there's a rivalry in mule racing. But but Tucker Slender, uh, if you know Bert Johnson, you probably know yep. Tucker. He was a big mule guy. But yeah, Bishop Mule Days up in um, in the in away from los angeles you know I, I have to say something people think they hear california and they kind of turn their nose and roll their eyes particularly about los angeles and los angeles has its virtues i get that but i really didn't care for living in los angeles at all california is a different story the the mountains the wine country the deserts the canyons the forest that ocean you know the california really does have some beauty i miss that a little bit but uh i was i was happy to see los angeles in my rearview mirror when i did leave so, uh, not to get us completely off of racing, but it, it's nice that we can chase any rabbit trail that comes along in our trail sure, ride. Sure, sure, it's fun. Uh, you mentioned Taz. Do you know how Taz ha- has and is trying to contribute to improving human life? Oh, the, stem cell somehow? Yes, or antibodies or, yeah, yeah, you're spot on. The University of Idaho uh, actually cloned Taz and generated a couple of clone mules from him. And they are using those to study why equine do not get cancer like humans do. And ah. so Idaho Jim, who is a clone of Taz, has been a part of a research project to figure out why the, the horse cell seems to thwart off cancer and the human cell just lets it in. Well, go on. I like that. That's fantastic. My my bride, who you met uh, Trent is yes. an equine repro specialist. That is her thing. She's a veterinarian. She specializes in horses, and she specializes in the breeding of horses, mm-hmm. embryo transfer and such. And uh, now and then, I'll, I'll get a, I probably get a lot of nuggets from her, but they don't really sink in half the time. But uh, um, she, she has done some work on some cloning projects herself, uh, apart from her livelihood, which is you know the whole right. breeding and artificial insemination and such. Yeah, well, she'll find that interesting if she hasn't looked mm-hmm. into it. And it's been a long time since I talked to those guys at University of Idaho and spurred me to get back a hold of them. Uh, I love mules. They're, they're great to ride, aren't they? Can we start the rumor right here, right now, July 1, 2020, that mule racing <laughs> will come to Fonner Park in 2021? Oh, no. I would love mules to come, but I don't. Uh, mule racing, I would say no. Let's not start that. Well, Why let's can't start we race the Easter bunnies? We'll call it the Easter Bunny race. <laughs> there you go. Hmm. Okay, now there, we, we might be on to something there, Trent. I'll just leave it at that. 
Yeah, that's about the right time of year, too, for the season. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. See? We have starting gates. I have painted a horse before. When I lived in Louisiana, we we put spots and glitter and all that stuff on horses and rode them down a per, in a horse uh, Mardi Gras parade. So I'm, I am okay with, with painting horses and making them look like the Easter Bunny or something. You don't need to paint yeah, the mule. mule. They've the already mule. got it. They were, I <laughs> yeah, actually, you know the kids, they go to Halloween, they go uh, put that uh, pink dye in their hair and yep. all different types of things. Yep. One year I decided, because I'm from a family of uh, females with breast cancer, my mother and my sister twice and my aunts and things. Mm. So uh, yeah. I rode a mule 25 miles in honor of breast cancer, and I dyed her pink. And so oh, I went to every store that would sell that Halloween spray stuff because it happened to be the fall of the year. I still have some in the basement if you need some pink spray. <laughs> it takes yeah, 82 well, cans of that pink spray to get a mule pink, <laughs> by the way. You know that. Okay, that's a yeah. good stat right there. Right. And while I'm here, in, in honor of all World War II vets, Bill, I promoted that if you want to take your picture on this pink mule – Come and donate to the Fitzgibbon Cancer Center in Marshall, Missouri, and you can do that. Bill Neenhauser, this mule bucked me off, all right? And mm-hmm. then Bill Neenhauser, 86 years old, comes and he says, Trent, I want to get my picture taken on your pink mule. I'm like, oh, Bill, you know, she's the not one that just, just not, bucked me off. <laughs> yeah, she's just not been herself today. I, I just don't. Trent, I survived D Day. I don't think no mule's going to bother me. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. All Off right. Go. So there. See how lost you get when you start talking about mules. I'll bring Paco Look, down. Yeah. I'll bring Paco down to Fonner Park one of these days, and you'll just see. Uh, bring Paco and someone else so we can have a race. <laughs> You're on. All right. So, what is the racing situation at Fonner Park? Bring us up to speed. I know this year's season's over, but what's the plan normally? Sure. Uh, well, we can talk about racing at Farner Park and then the Nebraska racing industry. They're, of course, one and the same. Um, yes, we did have a certainly an atypical year this year with our racing season, but but we got through it, uh, obviously, with, with COVID. So looking down the road to next year, fingers crossed, uh, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, we will have racing as we know it in Farner Park in 2021 and, and the years going forward. Uh, Bonner has always been a, a maybe a little exarbon. We were talking about exarbon in Omaha. It's always been this hub for entertainment and livestock in central Nebraska, and horse racing has, has been part of it all the while since 1954. That's why Fawner Park exists. Uh, Gus August Gus Fawner uh, bequeathed some land to the city of Grand Island in Hall County and said, I want you to make this uh, livestock and entertainment facility, and, and they did. And the next year they started building a racetrack. Um, but racing in Nebraska is a shadow of its former self. And when I was here back in the day, there were not the other forms of gambling and and horse racing just in and of itself was so much more of a stronger, viable product. And it's become diluted in decades. There are more racetracks. There are fewer racetracks. That sounds crazy, but some tracks have opened, other tracks have closed, but there are many facilities now that the purse money that is offered for racing, and that's that's the important thing. You've got to have money, a target, for people to, to race for. And the, the better horses race for the higher purses at the better racetracks. The lower quality uh, horses and horsemen 
we'll just say at least horses race at the lower quality racetracks because of purse money. And the purses are fortified throughout the United States for the, the majority of racetracks have some sort of additional form of revenue for horse racing. And that's not the case in Nebraska. Zero, zip, zilch, nada. There is, there's nothing that goes towards horse racing. So you can imagine how we're scratching and clawing when, why would someone want to come and race in Nebraska? There's no money for it. Why would you want to breed a Nebraska bred horse? There's no money for it. And, and I, I have a mission here to do something that will right the ship and cause a new form of revenue to come into the purse money so that people will start, hey, hey, there's some money in breeding a Nebraska-bred thoroughbred racehorse, and hey, I can run and actually maybe make a little money at this, and maybe I'll do it again, and maybe I'll get some friends to join me. And, and then the farmers that stop growing hay and alfalfa think, well, okay, Old trainer XYZ wants to start buying some, you know, he wants 200 bales of alfalfa. I haven't done that for years, you know. So there, there has to be, it starts from the hoof up, if you will. And you know the old expression, no hoof, no horse. Yeah. Um, and I'll need some, ho- some help. And, and I'll, I'll leave this with a little tease to you that'll take us into our next segment when we go there. But um, about a year and a half ago, I looked our, Governor uh, Pete Ricketts right in the eye, and when I shook his hand, back when you can shake hands, and I said, I want you to know I am not a proponent of casino gaming. Oh, he liked that. His eyes lit up. I said, but I am a proponent of paramutual horse racing in Nebraska and and revitalizing that with the support of the ag environment. And and he said, well, then let's talk. And we did, and that's That took it down the road. That's a segue to the next segment. (laughs) This guy should be in radio. We'll be back with more rollout after this. We can no longer take a chance on genetics. We need to know exactly what's present in our genetics. Neogen, shining a light on your genetic future. Details about DNA testing at neogen.com. Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Luce alongside Chris Katulak. CEO, Chief Executive Officer, that means he's the guy that gets all the complaints. Bonner Park, Grand Island, Nebraska. Chris, I I know for a fact we have no reason to go down this rabbit hole, but I do want to just kind of draw a picture for people listening because people in Nebraska don't even know. Bonner Park owns the land that houses the Nebraska State Fair, but that is a separate entity from what Bonner Park does. So I just correct the state fair. We don't need to go into the financials, but built property on Fauner Park, built buildings on Fauner Park property pays to use that. But they're two separate entities. So many times people think that the Nebraska State Fair should be able to control this or that or another thing. But that is Fauner Park land. And I just thought it would be worthy of kind of walking through that. Yep. 230 acres, uh, home of the Nebraska State Fair. We're proud of that. What's good for the fair is good for Fauner. The, the, the caveat to that, and it, what you said is all true, is the buildings were built, hey, we're going to put the fair in Grand Island, and we're going to mm-hmm. build it at Fauner Park, and rah, rah, and you don't have to pay for those buildings for the construction. Oh, but you do for the maintenance. <laughs> and I've got some maintenance bills and some utilities that I have to pay every month and every year. And uh, that's what makes this so 
crucial, the balance that Fauner Park has to stay, stay viable and vital, and we have to churn and we have to make money so we can pay for the maintenance of those buildings that are, that are out there in our west parking lot that remain very crucial to the whole equation of ag and state fair and uh, Nebraska thoroughbred racing. So back to the limiting factor on horse racing in Nebraska. Why is there, this is, I don't know anything about the financial aspect. Why is there no money? Where, where do other states get the money and what does it take to make this happen? It, it, you mentioned the governor. Is it uh, some sort of a tax money base that's used, or what's the solution? What are you angling for? Well, there's um, it's it goes trails right back to the casinos. Um, Trent Prairie Meadows in Des Moines has a mammoth casino, and now they they have the sports gaming, and so all of this money they just take a percentage off of the off of the casino revenue and just pump it right into the horse racing facility and the purses. Canterbury Park in Minneapolis. They have an agreement with the Indian Nation tribe up there that they pump money into the purse money for Canterbury. Um, in Oklahoma, oh my gosh, you know, I worked there for nearly 10 years. Same thing with the, either the Cherokee or the Chickasaw Nation. The money just goes into horse racing to help, to help support it. So if you, in Wyoming, here, you know, Wyoming was just sort of not laughable, but, uh, you know, they were always just sort of a, uh, a gnat on the, you know, the back end. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, now their their money and their purse money is exceeding that of of Nebraska's, and and they're just going to keep right on going because they have gaming as well. And so, just I just want to go right back to that remark I made when I introduced myself to the governor because uh, this show is people will be able to, you know, listen to it over time, over decades, and say, well, Chris Katulak said. Yes, I told the governor I was not a proponent of casino gaming. It's not my first choice. I I am not a, a gambler, but you know what? That's my personal preference shouldn't get in the way of what could be good and fruitful for the community or Nebraska. And I understand that. Um, I would prefer to have historical horse racing. Those are those machines that look, sound, and smell like a slot machine, but aren't. And they're designed to look and sound and smell like a slot machine, but aren't because they're based on paramutual wagering. Um, that's what I wanted the governor to get behind and and endorse to help revitalize the ag industry in Nebraska racing, because they could generate the money that we need to to attract more horses, get more money in the game, get breeding going, as I mentioned earlier, and. You don't need to establish a new racing, I'm sorry, a new gaming commission for that. You don't have to have all these new bylaws and statutes and so on and so forth. It can work under the pre-existing Nebraska Horse Racing Commission because it's a paramutual wager. It's a new form, a modern form of paramutual wagering that has bolstered purse money in Wyoming and Arkansas and Kentucky. In Virginia, their racing dried up and went away gone the the path that nebraska is is going right now we'll be there in a couple years we will be gone if we don't get any support that's a fact virginia's racing by the way secretary it was a virginia bred has become revitalized in the last two years because they allowed historical horse racing to come in and now they have a little uh, i think it's about seven or eight week of racing 
They have $100,000 races every day, and it's, it's huge, and it's thanks to historical horse racing. So my first choice would be for historical horse racing. Now, having said that, if casino gaming gets on the ballot, um, you know, and, and people voted on, well, then, of course, we will embrace that because that will be that form of, of expanded gaming, gaming revenue to help our industry get kick-started and, and be competitive. So uh, that's the situation. Is there a way, I mean, I'm sure you would be pursuing it, so don't be offended by this question, but is there a way to generate the purse, the money needed to attract the, the grade A horse races without pulling money from, to do it within, to somehow generate it from within the horse racing industry itself instead of not, pulling not from within. gambling? Yeah, not from the national horse racing industry, and and there's just really nothing existing in in the Nebraska industry with with how that works. Um, to to make it, it's certainly not grade A and not grade B. And we, Nefana Park Racing, I'll just come right out and say it is we're a we're a D plus C minus racing facility at best. We are not a C. We would be C minus. Mm-hmm. And um, I I would just love to get to. C plus or B, you know, just something where anybody that can gets involved with horse racing in Nebraska knows they have a fighting chance as opposed to it being just some sort of a going 10 rounds with the champ and just getting beat up and not making any money and never having anything twist and turn in your favor and, and having horses that when you race here in Fauner, you better make sure you win a race or two in 11 weeks because after that you're going to go for the rest of the year and get roughed up by racing in other venues where the competition is is better because the purse money is better think of high school football you know the the double a or triple a high school teams they're supposed to drop down to c and just crush everything in their path and and that's a similar way of what it goes with horse racing so i i'd like to say this trent that the very essence of why there is paramutual wagering in nebraska is the bylaws say it time and time again, it is to support the ag industry and promote the breeding of horses. Mm-hmm. That's why the paramutual racing bylaws were there. And if we can trace back to that and, and find a way to start, you were talking about how could we, is it in the industry, how can we help ourselves? Let's look at ourselves. Look, let's look at maybe some sort of ag incentive. And that's what I am I do want to start working on and we have some ideas of how how we could do it without gaining revenue and if if the casino gaming thing passes well then we don't have to worry about that if the casino gaming doesn't pass then we then we certainly do have to worry about that um and and I'm not holding my breath for either I'm just going to just keep my head down and keep pushing and doing what I think is is best for Fauner Park and Nebraska horse racing that's the approach I always take is it I'll just find my own way. But I realize that's <clears throat> a lot of times a bigger mountain than we want to climb. But I also know because I, I was doing some reporting on the Dakota circuit, Fargo mm-hmm. and, and that whole South Dakota, North Dakota circuit, and uh, boom, one day it was gone. And everybody's yep. just like, well, that's just the way that it happens. I don't accept that. We don't wait until we get to that point. We find a way to be self-sufficient. 
There has to be a way because there's still people that are interested. There's people that are are loving to be a part of it. It seems like we just need to find that right niche and promotion to get more people back to the racetrack. Well, when I was offered this job at Fauna Park, and I only came up here because my dear friend Todd Otto was the chief operating officer, and he died suddenly in April of 2018. And when I came up for the funeral, I just made a remark to Bruce Swihart, the then CEO, who I worked with for decades, you know, back when I was back mm-hmm. there in the 80s and 90s. And I just made the passing remark. I said, Bruce, you know, I've helped out with some things here before in the past with Todd. With Todd, with his passing, if there's anything I can do to help out, please let me know. And Bruce responded, I'll talk to the board tomorrow morning, which was like, whoa, nice. I wasn't expecting yeah. that. A- anyway, long story short, I I came up to attempt to fill Todd's shoes, and then ultimately I'm filling Bruce's. So that's why I got here. But but I say this to you because when I told my my bride, Kay, I said, honey, this, is ha- this has been presented to me and you and I, us, um, yeah, this is what I know, but there's something that I, I can't show you, but I can tell you it's there. It's this sense of community in Grand Island for their love of Fawner Park. And I've worked at racetracks and in states around the nation, and I can tell you it exists at Fawner Park and maybe only a couple of other racetracks in the, in the rest of the United States. And it's there, and that's going to give us the little the edge that you need that we need to try to make a go of it and think that, that we can do something up here. And, uh, she said, okay, let's go. Well, that, that edge is alive and well, and we can talk about that later, but the community support for this, for this facility is out of this world. We are at that point where we have one leg of the race left. Chris Kotolak, my guest, we will take a break and we'll be back with the final segment of Roll Route right after this. The All-American Beef Battalion continues to say thank you with beef. What better celebratory food than the Beef Battalion saying thank you to the troops with beef. We are now into our, uh, let's see, 13th year. That's a long time with an endeavor. 100% volunteer efforts. Nobody gets paid a dime. And we just want to make sure those that protect our freedom and have for 243 years are appreciated. At least they know somebody says thank you. We use beef to do it. Steaksfortroops.com. Now, I have to say, and I don't know, I always come to this point in time and say, why have we not used certified Piedmontese? I think because nobody's asked. But you as a cattleman need to get more of the consumer's food dollar. And everything that I have said about the certified Piedmontese system, I fully believe it's happening for us and our pastures. We got paid well last fall. We want those calves to weigh about 600 pounds by the time that they are shipped. I know you're in the middle of breeding season now. Maybe you're done. We're just getting started. We calve a late April and May. But it's time to be thinking about controlling your revenue supply for the future. There's nobody going to give you a hand up in the cattle business. You have to find your place. Lone Creek Cattle Company and the certified Piedmontese might just be the place. Welcome back to Roll Route to Trent Lewis alongside Chris Katulak. He's joining us. Did you get a big storm last night? I was in Grand Island and I tried to get out of Dodge. I've become so let down by watching radar, watching clouds, and watching everything <laughs> come from the west and get to Highway 281 and then just poof, go north yeah. or south or disappear. But it happened. It finally came across us 
Uh, last night, we uh, I'm not far from the airport in Grand Island. Airport says we got 7100s, and my rain gauge says just uh, about a half an inch. But it's uh. it's at a little angle that rain gauge, so I don't think it's accurate. We 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 got a little bit more than a half, and boy, we sure needed it. Best of all, Trent, yeah. that uh, is that the Oriole nest. We we found two in our trees. Uh, they survived the wind that came. And my wife, who even though she's a veterinarian, she didn't she's not doesn't pay that much attention to birds and things. But her husband has become a geek about them in the last two or three months. And I'm pointing out, look what this house finch does, and uh, look at the Orioles, and look at the nest they build, and all that stuff. So she's giving me reports when I come home from work about what happened with the birds and the squirrels on the front porch or the front yard. Were there bees involved too? Birds and the bees, or just the birds? <laughs> well, well, she doesn't give me the report about that. We, <laughs> we, <laughs> so you mentioned a, a different some, exchange for that. Yeah, uh, you mentioned something that I think we come back to. Um, Secretariat. God, I, yeah. I never thought about this until uh, there's a movie on Netflix right now called The Stand at Paxton County, which, have you watched that? Oh, no, but I've seen a trailer, and I think I I think I would like to watch that. You would? Did you know I'm in it? Oh, well, okay, well, then I'll give it, I'll try to watch it. Do it anyway. You'll do it anyway? I didn't you're know about it. To? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the lead in that, and who has become a dear friend of mine, Michael O'Neill, I could not have done what I did acting without his mentorship. He's, he was just incredible, but that's not what I'm talking about. Because we became friends, he has shared with me a lot of his acting past, which included the movie Secretariat. Mm-hmm. Mm. And he reminded me how important that little horse was when it come to uniting our nation in a very divisive time and how troubled everybody was. I mean, you think about the economic conditions when Secretariat started running, and it was almost like as if this little horse contained the spirit to push the United States forward into winning the race and doing what we know we can do. He reminded me the other day that we need another secretariat. And, and by the way, the movie about secretariat then came out shortly after 9-11 and was also kind of there again reuniting people. We need Fauna Park to come up with the 2021 secretariat is the moral of my long story. Or, and I agree with you, I, you didn't say it, but I, <clears throat> you might have been saying it, uh, we are a tremendously separated country mm-hmm. right now and Absolutely. that's awful that's not that's not helping anything look having opinions is one thing the healthy interchange and interaction of those opinions is is another thing and a good thing but where we're at right now is polarizing and that is awful but you mentioned what we need and what we need in 2021 is a pink mule that will unite the <laughs> that will be what we need to unite and so I call I, I, the Charles. I already love it when you verbalize my thoughts. <laughs> That's what we need. We don't need a, a thoroughbred uh, of regal blood and accomplishment. We just need it. And it doesn't even have, it could just be a mule with pink spots on it. You don't need all 82 fans. We, and we need a couple of them <laughs> racing down the racetrack. <laughs> you know, I am a two-time champion camel jockey. Uh, uh, Joe Hedrick, who's uh, you know brought the the animals to the state fair, the camels and mini horses and ostriches and so on and so forth. 
for decades, he's been hosting these ex- exotic animal races. And when we did it at Remington Park, um, I have I've rode the camels four times, and I have two wins and two seconds. And um, there is so many people have asked me, not so many, I don't want to exaggerate, a number of people have asked me, hey, why aren't you going to ride the camel races at, at uh, Fawner Park? And the primary reason is I don't want to lose. I, just, I like going mm-hmm. out a winner, and we'll leave that joy for yeah. someone else. But right. uh, we, we, we had the camel and ostrich races here two years ago at, or, yeah, two years ago at Fawner Park. We had a record attendance. We had them slated for this spring. We didn't have uh, racing with spectators because of COVID, but we'll get them back next year. And uh, but I'd like to have the the pink mule as a it's standalone event, and uh, we'll work on that too, Trent. Uh, I'm all, I'm in, but I don't think okay. you have any idea what you just brought up with the camel <laughs> issue. Do you know the camel history? Uh, do you, do with, you know with that, camel racing or with Joe or? Yeah, no. See, I knew you didn't know. So I've announced uh, the Nebraska State Fair open class beef cattle stock dogs uh every year since it moved to grand island with the Mm -hmm. exception of one i had a one-year sabbatical i got uh laid off furloughed unemployed Mm -hmm. because joe hedrick supplied a camel that i then rode through the barn bar and half of the board thought this was the most brilliant idea ever the other half who ultimately won thought that this guy needs to be fired on the spot. So there's a picture in the Grand Island Independent of me riding a camel, and I thought this is the greatest PR we could ever have for the Nebraska State Fair. And some people, I won't name any names, did not appreciate it as much. Oh, that that other half, it's always going to get you, isn't it? <laughs> and, then, and then the new executive director, Lori Cox, comes in. She rides a camel the next year, and she gets big praise for riding a camel. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. Who created that? Kissing topic? a camel. I, I keep, I'm only told about she was, uh, she got a picture of her kissing the camel on yeah. uh, the independent newspaper. So, yeah, hey, well, the uh, pendulum swings, right? Back to horse racing, because we can talk about pink mules and uh, camel races off air. But I'm really intrigued by the genetics. We mentioned Secretariat and Fly So Free and, and all of those horses that captured the nation's attention. What's going on in your mind with the genetic aspect of thoroughbreds and and quarter horses for racing purposes? Well, I think that um, that's a big question with only a few minutes left to go, Trent. But it's we got five. It's um, okay. It's you know the expression in breeding is breed the best to the best and hope for the best. Or as they say down in Chile in South America, que es en el gato también es en los gatitos, which means what is in the cat is also in the kittens. So if you're breeding something that isn't the best best stock, you're not going to get the best stock. So that that's the essentials of breeding. But maybe we're 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 breeding horses that are kind of pansies and aren't as tough as they used to be. You know, running a, a race beyond a mile distance, mile and an eighth is is so obscure now in horse racing it's it hardly happens that's a that's a distance of racing that's not often run the the kentucky derby is run at a mile and a quarter and there might be five other races all year that are run at a mile and a quarter races of any significance or just races period it's it's silly how we are not racing horses at longer distances and 
taking better care of of um, the industry regarding um, how these horses are treated. You know, there are some people that that believe that the the Lasix medication and some other medications are detrimental in the long run to the well, resulting well, thoroughbreds that are born. I do want your one minute analysis of that, and and that is, have we moved into more of an enhancement? looking to achieve performance instead of a genetic selection? Uh, yes. Yeah. That, how about not in a minute, just yes, we have. And I don't think that's good. I think the horseman element has gone away with training horses. I, mm-hmm. I am not satisfied with the people that get trainers licensed nowadays that claim they are trainers and they're not horsemen. And I'll leave you with this little thought. You know that book I wrote, Jack from mm-hmm. Grit to Glory, about the Hall of Fame trainer Jack Bamberg. He was a horseman. His father was a horseman. And believe me, there are horsemen out there now that are training horses, and I I love it. But there are some people that are caregivers, people that uh, they know when to feed and water a horse and trim their shoes and all that stuff. But there is so much more to caring for a racehorse than just that. And that goes a long way also. All right, so now this is the two-minute warning. Uh, the positive side, what, what are you looking forward to, not just at Fauner Park, but 2021, horse raising, can we get its rightful place back in the American conscience? Well, it won't happen overnight, and certainly Fauner Park, uh, but while we had a big limelight on us this past spring, we won't have it next year. I just want to get the product back that, that people were counting on this year, and I want to enhance it. I Every Saturday, Fauner Park sells out in our Grandstand Clubhouse Skyline Turf Club area. And Saratoga and Keeneland would be the only two racetracks in the nation that routinely sell out on a Saturday. And I'm very profoundly proud of that. And I want to continue that because that's the vibe. When you come into a packed grandstand, what you feel is what you share. Whether you share it face-to-face, you articulate it, you post it on Facebook or Twitter, whatever. And that's what is going to help promote horse racing. And that's where we're at, Trent. That's as we're at the grassroots level. And I need to start cultivating, getting the seed planted so we can rise up and get a nice crop of, of horse racing here in the Fauna Park and in Nebraska. So will you change the uh, promotion and branding to horse slash mule racing Fauna Park, Grand Island, Nebraska? <laughs> I, I will not, but I am hopeful we will have a special <laughs> promotion round about Easter time. With and the I'm Easter hopeful Bunny. That, yeah, and and Trent Luce. <laughs> oh, well, figure out where I'm going to be Easter time. Uh, we should let people uh, just search Fauner Park, or do you have a website if so people want to get sure. more information about the racing? Yeah, very simple, FaunerPark.com, and if you do the Twitter thing, it's Fauner Racing, and Facebook is FaunerPark.com. And uh, last year, we really got the whole social media thing going, and and really shared that fauner vibe. And I, and I think, um, you'll see that in a lot of the posts and not so much on Facebook this year because the things really fell off with, we, we couldn't have people in the grandstand, but anyway, faunerpark.com is your, is your one source there. Sharing the fauner vibe. That I think is the moral of the story. Thanks, Chris. It's been a pleasure. I will see you soon. I'll bring Paco down. We'll do some dress rehearsals. Uh, okay, I'll start making my stencils to spray on some pink dots. <laughs> we have Thanks, successfully Trent. journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. Both Chris and myself remind you that all roads 
Dooley J-Roll route. And I mentioned briefly the stand at Paxton County, but folks, if you're into horses and you understand that there is a threat that your horses will be taken from you with animal rights activists teaming up with local authorities, then you'll want to watch the stand at Paxton County, inspired by the true story of the Dawson Ranch from Stark County, North Dakota. It's on Netflix, and we are off and running into the month of July. In May, the stand at Paxton County was in the top 20 movies watched in all of Netflix. That's because it's real. People can relate to it. It's a challenge that we have. Empower yourself. Watch the movie, and then more importantly, get involved locally. The Stand at Paxton County on Netflix.